Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to the place I talk about many things that go on in my stay at home dad life. Things with my kids, my family, my marriage, being a better father and husband, men's mental and physical wellness, parenting struggles I have, successes as well. I also talk about parenting tips that I have and I come across in my daily life. Lastly, random things that I just think about, things that I find interesting or things that I question, I come on here and I talk about with you. So I hope at least one of those things is somewhat interesting or helpful in some way. So thank you for joining me today. All right, so I'm back. I had some family coming to town this last week, a couple weeks ago. My kids were off on fall break, so I was just a little too busy to find the time to come and sit behind a computer and come up with some some topics, some nonsense to talk about. So, yeah, that's where I've been. But yeah, it was good. The kids' week off from school was good. It was nice to really get to hang out with them. Everyone seems to travel so much and go places and vacation, which is great. We almost feel kind of bad that we don't do those things, that we don't take these big trips all the time. But you know what? That's okay. My kids enjoy staying at home, or at least maybe I enjoy more staying at home. And I'm not trying to compete with anybody. I enjoy hearing about other people's travels and stuff and and all that. But, you know, we, we kind of just do things around here. I took my kids swimming a bunch. They got to hang out with grandma. Just kind of doing stuff here. We went to a museum. So... Yeah, not stressing about anything for a whole week was nice for all of us. Plus, I got a bunch of shit done around my house, which I know you don't care about, but I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back because it was kind of a lot of work, so I do have that. Now, last week I spoke about doing hard things, delayed gratification, and the value in accomplishing hard things, right? You know, all that fun stuff I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Well, I had this thought on my little break here, and I kind of want to run it by you. And I don't want to say what I'm thinking of annoyed me, but it maybe answers some questions or at least makes me go, oh, okay. Now that makes more sense as to why people don't want to do hard or difficult things. The first part in this thought is I just watched a commercial on toilet paper. Yes, toilet paper. Toilet paper that is easier to tear, that it has waves in it instead of being just a perforated straight line across to make it, like I said, easier to tear. And I just thought to myself, geez, like, why is this a thing? I know we've all torn toilet paper. I know we've all torn the one-ply toilet paper at the public park or at the stop-and-slop gas station or wherever, and it's terrible, right? It's terrible to rip off. You're trying to, like, help your kid go to the bathroom, and you end up winding off a whole damn mitten of toilet paper, right? You just wrap it around your hand. But for the most part, at home, this is a non-issue, right? It's just freaking toilet paper. Why do we need to make it easier to tear why don't we just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Maybe am I losing you here? Wasn't it easy enough to tear? It was already a perforated line and now you have to make it 
I don't know, does it need to like fall off out of a machine into my hand? That's going to be the next thing, by the way. It's just going to be this machine. And you just wave your hand under it like at the at the public restroom and it just spits out how many ever squares you you tell it to, right? That's going to be the next thing because we need everything to be easier, right? Then I saw another commercial and it was on a new truck. And you know, all the new cars and trucks these days, this rig was no different. They show it has autopilot capabilities. It's got cameras everywhere. It can park itself. And I'm kind of just like, wow, that's, that's impressive. Sure. I'm like, cool. I remember having to parallel park a car on my driving test. Granted, this was ooh, 25, 26 years ago. And I don't know, maybe you still do have to parallel park for your driving test. I don't know. But it was a hard task, and I failed over and over practicing with the trash cans out on our lawn or out in front of our house, right, with my parents. Yet what happens? Practice makes perfect, and you just keep doing it, and you get it. Or at least practice makes passable anyways, because I know there's plenty of people that learn how to parallel park for their driver's test, and then they never do it again. They're, like, scared of it or whatever. I actually would parallel park almost every day when I was working my construction job because that's the only parking that was available. And I have this big crew cab truck, and I would parallel park it easily every single day. It wasn't a big deal for me, but I know some people are kind of sketched out by it. So those are my complaints. And I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm against easier things or technologies that make life easier. I mean, we all enjoy those. We enjoy refrigerators and telephones and light switches and everything else. But things are just becoming so easy anymore there's no more having to put in any effort to do them. And in some respects, in my opinion, I don't know, what is that doing to society? What is that doing to our children? The children, right? No one is going to know the value of anything, in my opinion, right? That things are just going to become so easy, the hardship is removed, that they're not going to understand that putting in hard work and, and valuing that, that reward you get from accomplishing those hard things. That's just, I don't know. So what are your thoughts on that? What do you think? Just uh, stew on that for a while. Send me a message or an email or something. Let me know. Anyways, moving on here. My wife and I went to a John Mayer concert. I don't know if I talked about this before, and you may not care, but I'm going to tell you anyways. It was a great show. The guy really knows how to rip a guitar, that's for sure, like, I don't know. He's one of the most impressive guitar players in my book, maybe of my generation. I think he's 46 years old. I'm 41. So we're kind of in the same bracket there, but just impressive to see him play. But let me complain or poke fun a little bit, shall we? The people of this concert, and maybe this is any concert, but the people taking long ass videos of an artist that they're never gonna watch again. They're never gonna watch those videos again. They take these videos and they're holding their phone up and they're recording whole sets. Sure, you wanna take a little 20 second clip or whatever, but people are recording the entire song and now you're watching the concert through your phone screen to make sure your phone is capturing the moment and you're kinda of missing out with your own eyes, right? I just don't understand that. You're never gonna watch that again. It's like people taking pictures or videos of firework shows. Excuse me, ma'am, you're never, ever going to watch that again, right? 
And then there were the people screaming out song requests, like this is some sort of freaking back alley bar band. I'm just like, come on, the dude has a set list. I doubt he's taking requests from the audience. Then seated next to us, we had Mr. and Mrs. I drank too much or ate too much Taco Bell sitting, I don't know, three or four seats away from us. The dude must have gotten up seven times throughout the show. And I kind of started to get really annoyed. Both my wife and I were like, golly, like, get up out of your seat so he can squeeze by and then sit back down. And two minutes later, he comes back. And I'm just like, come on, dude. Stop drinking so many beers if that's the problem. Stop eating your Papa Hut pizza if that's the problem. Just enjoy the show. And I don't understand that. But then I kind of got into my head about it and I started thinking about it and I tried to put myself in his shoes and say, hey, maybe he has a bladder problem. Maybe he's got the squirts from something that he ate off the taco truck outside the venue. I don't know. So I'm just trying to understand him a little bit and just be like, okay, maybe he's got a medical condition or something. Am I still annoyed? Yes. Am I trying to be kind of chill about it? Also, yes. Then I had this lady, super fan lady, sitting behind me. This is the last story I'll tell right now. And she knew every song. She was bitching about him singing the popular songs. She was screaming, which is fine. I know it's a concert. You're supposed to yell and scream and have fun. But it was so freaking annoying, screaming right in my ear, like the whole show, and just her comments about how he would play the popular songs and oh he's not doing this song and oh he's not doing that and then she's also screaming out requests right that of course he can't hear we're like 200 yards away like let's get real here but she also had this super hyper clapping do you know what i'm talking about it wasn't your normal you know appreciation clap it right it wasn't that it was as my wife described it, swim fan type clapping, if you know what that is. Super excited, super crazy, like annoying lady at her kid's dance recital clapping. This like, like super fast clap. It's annoying to hear for two hours long, okay? Just, I didn't get it, so. Anyways, so she's clapping and being annoying and I'm still enjoying the show. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to think that I'm just sitting here and just being angry Justin this whole time. No, I'm enjoying the show. I'm just observing. I'm just people watching and kind of seeing what's going on around me. Well, super fan Clapper, she's drinking a lot of beers too. And I am sitting in my seats. She's behind me, standing. So now, if you know stadium style seating, she's behind. But if you're standing up, she's almost like over my head, right? And she's getting drinks. And now I don't know if they're beers or what kind of drinks they are. But I am just waiting for this moment to get soaked by whatever she has holding, whatever she's holding in her hand. And I'm stewing about it and contemplating what way I'm going to respond in this moment. Like, was I going to jump up and freak out? Was I going to yell and scream at her? Was I going to yell and freak out at her husband? Was I going to just play it cool? and tell her it's okay, hey, accidents happen, maybe just ignore it all. It could go many ways, right? But then I kind of had this realization that it may have been her fault for spilling the drink on me, but it was ultimately my choice 
on how I would react. And that perspective, that little two-second thought, kind of really helped me in that moment. So that brings me to today's topic. I know 10 minutes into the show, I'm finally getting to the meat and potatoes here, is this kind of reactive theory, which I think that's a thing. I've been kind of trying to research it, or emotional reactivity maybe is another way to kind of explain it. How we react to the world around us, because it's clearly not just about what happens to us. Like I said, it's more how we respond what happens to us, and that's what truly matters. This is something that's in everyday life, how we react or respond to our spouses, to our kids when something suddenly happens, the spilled milk, uh, the near miss in traffic, the getting cut off in traffic, the drink potentially getting spilled on me at a concert, right? Situations at work. These things present themselves in all aspects of everyday life. And I know you've probably been in some situation like that. Something happens and you suddenly, you know, knee jerk, you react. Maybe your emotions get the best of you. Kid falls off a bike and your first reaction is to almost get angry. Like, God damn it, you fell off a bike. And then you kind of step in with the, oh, are you okay? Which I don't know. I, don't, I think I've talked about this before. It's kind of a weird thing with me. And I'm trying to get better at it when something happens like that. And it's my first reaction is anger instead of empathy and helping. And I think I have gotten better. And it's just, uh, you know, it takes mindfulness and, and practice and really taking that moment to think about it. But that's a whole other story, the, the, the anger versus empathy. But anyways, let's move on here. So why do we do that? Why is our initial reaction not really sometimes the best reaction? Well, in a little bit of research that I've done here, there's a few reasons. One being our past experiences. And I read some articles and, and kind of did some research, and I'll link one of them below that kind of talks about all this stuff. But they say our past experiences are the way that we were raised and the experiences that we've been through as kids can really shape how we react to situations as adults. Angry parents might tend to raise angry kids. Abusive parents, maybe, potential to raise abusive kids. Now, I don't think that that correlates 100% across like that, not at all. I think there are people that grew up in certain households in certain situations and they're nothing like the environments that they came from. Maybe that's by design. Maybe they were able to see what was happening and be like, oh my gosh, I never want to do this in my adult life. I don't know, but just a thought there. Another why is our brain's instinctual response. It's wired to protect us and respond to perceived threats, right? We all hear the fight, flight, or freeze method or the theory, that type of behavior. It's great for escaping danger. It's not so great when my daughter spills her food everywhere. So you don't want to uh, run away. You don't want to fight. And uh, you don't want to freeze. Maybe you do want to freeze. Freeze, take the moment, assess, respond accordingly. Maybe that's right. Maybe, maybe so. And then there's the emotional role, which is an important part of our reactions. And sometimes they can run a little bit high especially when we're parenting or in relationship situations that, uh, you know, I mean, that always gets a little heated every now and then. And once we understand how emotions influence our responses, we can better, in those moments, choose how to respond in a healthier and more constructive way. Now, is being emotionally reactive bad? Well, if you read around, it's kind of a yes and no answer. I mean, emotions are a fundamental part of being human, right? 
We aren't going to just turn those off and be robots. Having emotion when reacting to situations is totally normal, but it really depends on how they're managed and expressed. Because yes, being this way, letting your emotions totally control you, even just for a moment, that can really damage relationships. It can make it difficult to communicate. It can ruin moments with your, your family, with your kids, with coworkers, with a lot of things. I mean, think of times where we lost our cool, where we let our knee-jerk reaction get the best of us. We don't communicate very well in those instances, do we? And we definitely don't make great decisions in times like that either. I mean, I remember a time when, this is years and years ago, my buddy had a girlfriend, and she got pissed off at him for some reason. I don't know, maybe because we were leaving, we were going to go out and go do guy stuff, go to a bar, go have fun. But I distinctly remember her, as we were leaving... She threw a Yankee candle off of the second floor balcony of their apartment, attempting to hit his car. She hucked that thing off the balcony. I mean, talk about poor decision making right there. Smashed all over the ground, didn't hit his car. I think he had like a, I can't remember the car, but anyways, yes, very poor decision making right, right there. High to the moment, you know, emotions are running high and that was the decision she made. Anyways, let's go over a few actionable steps that we can consider to maybe catch ourselves before we react like that, before we throw the candle, so we can adjust our response and develop better outcomes from these sudden reactionary moments in our lives and in our parenting. And just so we're clear, this isn't rocket science. This is no, not going to be any groundbreaking ideas here. It's just uh, some stuff that I found. So anyways, first is self-awareness. This is key. We have to start by recognizing the signs that we're being or we're reacting impulsively. Pay attention to physical cues, tensing up, building frustration or anger. But actually, you know, once frustration and anger start to build, it could be too late. You know what I mean? But really, try to look at the situation from the other person's perspective as well. Take that quick beat before you respond. I swear this will help. I've talked about this in the past. That quick pause, that quick flip through your brain Rolodex to try to choose how you want to react and ask yourself, why am I reacting this way? Is it based on past experiences, stress, perceived threats? And once we know those triggers, it will help us gain some control over how we're going to respond. So just, yeah, just take that quick second and be like, how do I want to respond here? Do I want to lose it? Even with your kids, like this is super important because it's almost like playing poker with your kids. You don't want to show them like too much, especially if they're doing something kind of stupid or something that really annoys you. You come around, walk into the room and you just kind of sigh. Oh, but then they're going to read your face, or if you react right away, they're going to they're going to read that, and uh, it's going to change the whole dynamic. So, I've caught myself in those moments too, where I've taken that beat, and I've just kind of ugh, and my brain's taking the beat, but my face says something different. My daughter Olivia, she'll be like, "Dad, are you are you mad? Are you okay?" And I'm like, "No, no, I'm good. Everything's fine. I, I'm fine." And I try to change my facial expression, and make sure I have a decent response especially with things that aren't really that big a deal. But sometimes certain moments, they feel like big deals to us anyways. 
All right, next is communication. This is kind of vital here to have open and honest communication with your spouse. It can be difficult to have those awkward conversations, but we have to do it. When things are bothering us, I know this probably doesn't really kind of fit into today's topic, but it's, it's worth saying, don't let things stew and bother you and build up. And then, well, yeah, then you explode and you lose it and your emotions control you. So yeah, we don't want that to happen. Discuss how you can both support each other in moments of reactivity where you're kind of reactionary like that and come up with strategies together. And the same with your kids. I try to be really open and honest with them as well because sometimes hearing the perspective of my girls can really make a huge difference on how I respond. So if I take that second beat and wait and just communicate with them, it really kind of changes the outcome of situations. With that communication, we can also learn to focus on how we listen. This one's probably like one of the most important ones, I would say, and this can be used far and beyond just, you know, family and stuff like that. A lot of times we aren't listening. Well, we are listening, but it's just enough to respond, not to actually understand. We hear something and we immediately want to respond to that and then we're all of a sudden not paying attention to the rest of what the person is saying. We fixate on that one thing and we fixate on our own response. Especially with our kids, we tend to do this. Not letting them finish their statement, not letting them finish their story, and then we just get out our response and we cut them off and we not fully listen. So practice that. Practice active listening. That's what they call it according to this article I'm referencing. And don't worry about the immediate response. Just listen to listen. It's hard, you know, not to just jump in immediately. So this is going to take some practice. This next one is watch what we eat. Sounds crazy, right? Again, according to this article that I am reading, which I'll link in the description if you want to check it out, they suggest that our gut health, particularly the bacteria, the flora, influences our mental health, our mood, and our emotions. It's kind of interesting. They say that 95% of our serotonin, that feel-good hormone, is produced in the digestive system. And the food we eat can influence the growth of both good and bad bacteria. And depending on what bacteria is flourishing, those can influence our hormone levels. Hormone levels then affect our mood, right? So it all kind of kind of tears together here. So probiotic foods, you know, like yogurt, that can help balance gut bacteria. High fiber foods that can feed the good bacteria and help reduce inflammation. And they also say getting a good dose of omega-3 may reduce aggressive behavior and emotional reactivity. That's the whole goal here, right? So yeah, pay attention to what's going in your body. And I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to what they're eating. And it's it affects a lot. It it really isn't just about weight loss. It really isn't just about muscles and things like that. It's it's the whole package, hormones and everything. It just, what we eat kind of really goes hand in hand with all those things. So really pay attention to that. All right, lastly, we can practice mindfulness techniques. And I know I've talked about this before. It may not really be for everybody, I know, but practicing meditation yoga, I would say even simple stretching for five minutes in the morning, you know, pour your cup of coffee, do a little bit of stretching, just kind of get your mind right. Some mindfulness technique, mindfulness techniques. They're going to help reduce stress. They're going to help 
you stay present in the moment. And they're going to help you manage emotional reactions just more effectively. If you, you know, really think about it, practice some of those mindful techniques, maybe do some self-talk, some self-soothing. I know that sounds corny, but try it out. Get that little voice in your head. We all have it. Maybe have a little chat with yourself. Talk yourself off the ledge. Talk yourself into a positive state of mind. Sound good, right? Yeah, I like it. So anyways, that's about all the tips there. But you know what started this conversation with myself in my head? One day, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I was spraying for bugs around my house. And I smacked my head really hard on my deck when I was, you know, doing this job. And my initial thought was to cuss and then maybe even, like, hit my deck with my fist, right? I did neither. I didn't do either of those things. I took a breath. And I said to myself, ouch. And then I moved on, spraying for bugs. And I think this reaction is in a way what's missing from society. Everyone wants to knee jerk and just respond to everything that, honestly, in my opinion, doesn't always need a response. Even the good things or the average things, we don't need to outlandishly react just to react. We can notice it, we can appreciate it, and we can move on. Being stoic, being even keel about a lot of things is okay. And I'm not saying just be this emotionless robot and not have any feelings or not have any emotions. Emotions, compassion, empathy, anger, that's all part of being human. And we all need to express these sometimes. But if we can learn to not be so reactive, I think we would all be better off. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, let me know what you think of that little statement there that I just had. By the way, the drink at the concert, it never fell. I never got soaked. I never got a drink spilled on me. My wife and I stayed the whole show, enjoying every song that John Mayer played, and uh, we left, had a great evening. So I got in my head about reacting to something that never happened. Interesting, right? Anyways, that's all I have for today's episode of Stay Home Dad's podcast. Just a few stories, a few ideas on ways that we can be better husbands, better fathers, better people, right? If you have any questions, comments, or even complaints, please hit me up over on podme.com or on my Instagram account at stayathomedads underscore podcast and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you want to share this show, please do that. I'd really appreciate that. Let people know that they can get it on all the major podcast streaming platforms. It's on pretty much all of them. So just uh, let them know that as well. All right. Thank you again for listening. And I will talk to you all next week.